0: The march toward the arch continues as the Braves have a big game against Northern Iowa coming up. So let's get to some Braves talk. What's up everybody? Happy Saturday. Welcome to episode four of Braves Talk, coming off a big win at home against UIC and we're here to break it all down plus all the action coming up. I'm the Iceman Matt Freights and across from me are the pals, Coach Brad Powell, OG Rick Powell. What's up gents?
1: Iceman, uh, not a whole lot going on here. A little disappointed. Uh, Bummed out we don't have any Braves action today since they don't play until tomorrow, but the team most certainly needs the extra day of rest and we do have a meaningful game. It tips off right about when we're wrapping up with this with uh, the Sycamores of Indiana State traveling to Carbondale to take on Southern Illinois. So that will have an impact on how uh, the standing shakeout could impact the Braves in some way, shape, or form more specifically and who their opponent ends up being. So we will definitely make sure we're watching that one and then kind of a full slate
0: tomorrow, which we're looking forward to. How's it going, Rick? Hey, that's going. Another dynamite take by the OG. (laughs) Uh, Off to a hot start here today, fellas. (laughs) And that's what we always bring here to Braves Talk. So let's get into it, by the way. Uh, We have a big win against UIC. And I will admit, so three games into this, I did not watch this game. And a nice little win for the Braves. So one know when I don't watch. and 2 when I do watch. Maybe we're on to something here. Maybe I need to light some candles, some incense, something like that every time there's a big game. And just hope for the best. But... Question mark as to how well this performance kind of played out over the course of the game. Started strong, ended weak, in my opinion. The lead swelled over 20 it's at one point. Obviously, they only won by 12. Each of the teams scored 45 points in the second half. Darius Hanna, though, had a great game, 21 points, plus I believe the the moment of the game with that massive, massive jam that has been making the rounds on YouTube. For once, the Braves get a large free throw disparity as they go to line 27 times and actually make 25 of them. Except in my opinion, turnovers are an issue when you are outpacing the other team when it comes to turnovers. So let's start with initial reactions as we always do. Brad, you first, and then the OG. Yeah. So I felt like this game was a little helter skelter at times,
1: and I think that that is a probably a byproduct of our inconsistency combined with playing an inferior opponent. And when you know that happens a lot of times when you play uh, lesser teams, as they kind of muck it up a little bit and uh, if you're not too disciplined, you find yourself maybe playing down to their level or uh, get when you do get a lead, maybe coasting at times. So that's something that needs to uh, be addressed. And still, we struggle to uh, be able to put teams away in the second half. Uh, we definitely have to improve defense defensively. Uh, Rivera went off. He was four for eight from three, you know, 50 percent, obviously. Uh, U- UIC as a whole, 10 for 19. Uh, from behind the arc, just shy of 53% for the game. And I think, Dad, you mentioned it was in the 60s for the second half?
2: Yeah, almost 67%.
1: So that's obviously an issue, um, you know, that needs to be addressed. And there were times, I know there was one time where we played great defense and, you know, they made a shot. And I can't recall if it specifically was a three, but they made a shot. Like, as the shot clock was expiring, it's like, we we played 29 and a half seconds of fantastic defense and, I yeah, like we've talked about before, it just seems like that sort of thing <laughs> happens to Bradley uh, more often than most. And, um, you know, moving on to the Braves, uh, you know, the big four for the Braves, all in double figures, led by Hannah's career-high 21 points, as you mentioned at the top. Uh, one concerning point was it, the 454 point in the second half was our last made field goal, and that was a layup by Hannah. And from that point on, we went five for six from the line, and that was it for the rest of the way which it's tough, to, again, putting teams away um, in the second half. It, it seems to be something we're struggling with right now. Uh, neither team was good in transition. There were only four fast break points both ways, which I found to be interesting. I think that I, I like how we, I feel like we're playing aggressively at times, especially when we try to get out and run a little bit. It's, it's fun to watch. We're just making too many mistakes and creating too many turnovers uh, with 19 to, uh, on, with 19 on Wednesday, as you mentioned. A uh, positive, the Braves did win the rebounding battle, thirty-seven to twenty-seven, which is good. But again, doesn't overshadow the turnovers, which need to be addressed. And I think again, byproduct of this sort of our overall inconsistency and playing a lesser opponent, as I had mentioned.
2: What about you, Rick? Heck, uh, I think Brad just didn't cover it at all. I'm saying, hey, <laughs> <okay>, my turn. <laughs> no, he is. I mean, yeah, the defensive side. I think first half was was pretty good. I mean, had some defensive lapses. Uh, Coach Wuerl spoke in the post-game show once he finally got there, since they had a team meeting after that game. But he did mention, you know, the the finer details in playing defense. And Rivera, it was well-known. Don't let him go to his right. We let him go to his right pretty much at will that second half, and he, like, lit it up. So, but with that, the turnovers, second half, you know, it was a tale of two halves, basically. You know, we did have to, you know, for the first half, we had to come up with a little run of our own right there at the end of the half to to get that 12 point lead. I'm so. a big guy on the on the uh, like the net, the uh, Ken Palm, and when you have a 24, 25 point lead 13 minutes ago in the game, and they they make it a 12 point game. You know, you still win. You love the W, obviously. Of course. But the metrics within those two computer rankings are huge. I mean, even though the stretch for us going to the big dance is really small, but they still have an importance. And when you lose after a win, you lose two spots. I think in both polls we did, both computer rankings, we lost two. Maybe one was three. But uh, so... No matter how you play the game, finish, you know, all them all them little things make a huge difference.
1: Obviously, the only path for Bradley to the NCAA tournament right now is winning Arch Madness. Like, that is that is it, right? So, um, And that's where we all want to be. But at the same time, yeah, it would be nice to have yourself in a position to get an at-large bid to the NIT if it does come down to that. And that's where those metrics would come into play. And you're right. The margin of victory does play into those metrics. And you and I had a conversation about that Wednesday night. Uh, maybe Thursday even, about how, you know, and I was like, it wasn't so much that you lost the lead. You know, you know that that's not really quantified anywhere. It's just the fact that the final margin was only 12, um, where if you could have kept it at a 20-plus point victory, uh, you know, those little things do add up and help. So, you know, we would, you know, you like to see that happen. And I, I get that. Your point is, is, you know, when you get those leads, we well, got to keep our foot on the gas.
2: Well, within within those computer rankings, part of the, metrics is involved is the 67% three point shooting basically in the second half will kill you always in the in 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 the metrics and they'll bring you down so fast because there's defensive there's offensive you know the turnovers you know they'll kill you in rankings because it's all a part of you know the 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 model to get you to your your points and in eventually your rankings I think maybe on a small scale, I think it has a lot to do, not just with even how we finish this year in those rankings, but it gives us a baseline, especially knowing the possibility of who all is coming back next year. It gives us that baseline for positivity in the next season. So as a fan, it's huge. I mean, to me anyway, may not be to anybody else, but you know, it just <clears throat> helps me have a perspective outlook down
0: the road let me ask you guys something because i'm only we're three games into this obviously i haven't been watching the team the entire year but is it fair to say that the team has rarely put two halves of basketball together i mean even in this game against a vastly inferior opponent they struggled at certain times where you know they jump out to a big lead which we all expect and then here come here comes the comeback and it looks to me that this team may be getting a little bit tired, a little bit weary at the end of the season, which happens to every team. So it's not as if this is specific to Bradley, but with some of these bigger games coming up and the tournament coming up, it's like, are you guys a little fearful that maybe this team is just running out of gas? That perhaps their, I don't know, like their their talent is is not able to overcome just how tired they are. I don't know how to put that, but I think you understand what I mean.
1: Well, I think within the league, we're we're seeing it in other places too. It's not we are. uh you It's not unique to Bradley. No, I think we are in. You know what? You know people in the uh, you know, in the world of Major League Baseball. you know, the dog days of summer, right? I mean, we are in that stretch of the college basketball season here in February, and of course, you would like to be playing at your best the entire season, and especially as we go through the month of February, as we're ramping up for the postseason. Uh, but these these guys are banged up. They've played a lot of competitive basketball, especially like we've mentioned, the top ten of the league are pretty solid teams. And uh, and you know obviously the two below that being UIC and Valpo, but they're they're giving people all they can handle here recently as well. So playing these highly competitive games, physical games, is going to take its toll um, on a team, and especially these guys that are playing more minutes than others. And it's funny because we had a conversation too about how the minutes that are going to our Big Four are are killing us a little bit, and maybe we're starting to feel the impact on that. And I did just like some general off you know. Surface level research on what the minutes look like for the other uh, big players in the conference, especially you know, Indiana State and Drake and uh, so on. And a lot of those guys, you know, Tucker DeVries and Brody and uh, some of the guys from Indiana State, uh, Avila and Swope and Conwell and Larry. I mean, those, those, everybody's up there in that same range, uh, you know, anywhere from that they're in that 30 to 36 minute range. And I get those six extra minutes. If you're playing 36 versus a guy playing 30, that six extra extra minutes a night over 20 games adds up uh, and, and is a significant difference, I guess, by the time we get to the end of the season. But Bradley's not the only team that's, that's battling this right now in the league. And so this is where things like muscle memory, uh, fundamentals, and mental toughness, I think, really come into play. And I feel... I feel good about Bradley in that sense because I think those are points of emphasis uh, from Coach Wardle to the team it are are sort of these, you know, mental toughness and focus, uh, the the things that can help keep you on track when um, everything else kind of starts going to hell a little bit. And I think that that might be why they had such a long meeting after the game and and he was late getting to the to radio in the post game because it was one of those what I can assume was, uh, hey, we're going to lock the door and no one's leaving until we figure this out. Uh, let's just, you know, everybody, if you got anything to get off your chest, let's get it off our chest and let's let's walk out of here with a common understanding of where we're going from this point forward because it's it's very evident that, that some things have to change. So let's all be on the same page so we can get to work on making those improvements. And uh, I think every team, especially teams that – Ultimately, end up being successful. They they reach a point in their season where you have that you know pivotal moment that come to Jesus meeting or whatever you want to call it, where um you know you can sort of launch yourself to the next level or get back on track. And I'm I'm hopeful that that's the result of this.
2: Yeah, I used to, well, I still do. I think Bradley is one of the stronger or God, how do I even say this? The the better endurance team battle Because i think our our yeah our off-season uh program you know had always been very strong where i never used to be concerned about where our guys fatigue was as a team in february this year is a little bit different but i also hey we lost two two important players and guards which i think has played a very large part in the weariness in the appearance of our legs, you know, and when you're shooting threes, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a leg issue, you know, in most cases. But, you know, I always think we were one of the strongest teams that could outlast, you know, endurance-wise anybody in the league. Um, I don't know if we've gotten away from some of that, but if we did, let's try and get back to it. <laughs> well,
1: I think it's what you mentioned at the beginning where you said, or at the beginning of your, your take there, where you mentioned – we, we were counting on Pettigrew and Ellis to come in here and, and play some meaningful minutes, and uh, that isn't the case. And so we are having to rely on Duke Dean and Connor Hickman to play, and Darius, uh, to play a boatload more of minutes. And not so much, I mean, I guess you could say Darius in the sense of some of the, the big guys haven't come along uh, to the degree uh, that we, we maybe hoped that they would. But um, and that's just it. When we talk about the bench, and, and you and I had this conversation um, on the way home, and I said, "Or because I, I said yes, like the bench, like playing the bench, right? We we had the conversation about trusting the bench, playing the bench. The guys on the bench. I'm mean, outside of Birch, and Birch is playing, but outside of that, like you know, if we're gonna talk about um, Kyle Thomas and Meta, those guys don't help your guard problem, you know, and that's probably where our biggest Issue, our biggest concern is as far as fatigue. Yeah, Malibys playing a lot of minutes and Therese is playing a lot of minutes, but right at the guard position between Duke and Connor, you know, you have Birch that can come in. I mean, that's why we're seeing Hartke playing minutes here and there because that's, that's, he's the next guy and he's the next guard we have that's an option at all. So, um, you know, Kyle Thomas, while it'd be nice to see him be able to come along and contribute more and it'd be nice to see Meta come along, those guys don't fix the guard problem.
0: And, Rick, to your point, if you look at the stats from this game, them two of seven from three-point in the second half for Bradley. Now, they took a lot less shots, so they went from, I think they had 31 shots in the first half of 32 to 21 total from the field, and I'm sure that obviously leads to other teams being able to get back and so forth, but I think you're right. This team has relied on consistent three-point shooting, and when they don't shoot consistently from three, I think that that is a good sign that maybe this team is getting tired. But it, I, I ask this only to, well, you know, hypothesize about the well, future, not necessarily that they're in trouble and the only team in trouble in the conference.
2: Yeah, well, we, we shot, what was it, uh, 11, 11 field goals less the second half. Why? Look at the turnovers. Yeah. I think we only had eight or nine in the first half. But when you're turning it over 10 times, 11 times, number of field goal opportunities are going down.
0: Yes. So, and turnovers and I, are so I, frustrating because it's like, how do you coach that out, right? Like in football, if you're throwing interceptions, you can kind of go to a quarterback and say, all right, are you going through your reads? Are you seeing the defense or whatever? But in basketball, sometimes it's just sloppiness. You know what I mean? Like that's where the, some of the turnovers come from. Not all the time, but sometimes it is. And it's like, can you coach that out? It's frustrating as a fan.
1: It is. And I, I think and, and basketball, so fluid, right? It's really hard sometimes to... Um, it's not always so black and white as it may be sometimes in football when it comes to reads and things, which I think makes it uh, a little more complex as well. A couple things I think need to be mentioned is one Christian Davis gave, gave us a ton off the bench on Wednesday, which was huge. And, you know, he came off the, what's that Dan?
2: That was his best game in two or three anyway. Yeah. twenty-seven yeah, minutes. And
1: he had And he had nine points, which is good. And he, he played pretty good defense. And so, I think you know, that's a huge thing uh, moving forward if we can continue to get that out of him. And then what, another person I've thought about that we just really we haven't talked a lot about, and we've mentioned his name more in this podcast than we have all years, Darius Hanna. He has been so solid and consistent and yeah. good for this team throughout the season. And yep. I think maybe that's why that's why we haven't talked about him as much is because he hasn't been up and down and up and down. like It, it hasn't been as... Noticeable, I guess, just because he's so damn reliable and consistent. And it's almost like, you know, I finally, maybe we're taking it for granted a
0: little bit, which we shouldn't because it's so important and impactful. And looking at the bench, right? Atlas plays 18 minutes, two points, takes two field goals. Meta plays four minutes, gets six points, right? So it's like you want some sort of consistency from these bench guys. But like, I think we're focusing on the negatives on a win. Like a win is a win. And I think we need to look forward. And I think we need to mention here as well that probably the biggest result from the Valley this week was Indiana State going down to Illinois State. And that sent reverberations through Twitter as far as my Twitter feed was concerned. And I think that it puts a spotlight on the league. It certainly brings Indiana State back toward Drake and kind of gives a little bit of hope that maybe Indiana State isn't this juggernaut. But I know... You guys disagree on this, and I think I might disagree with Rick on this, but I I kind of think now that after that loss, it's tough to see this conference getting an at-large and then a bid steal. That's just my opinion. Well, <laughs> we still got five <laughs> games to play. we still got five games to play.
2: That's going to determine a lot. And we could learn more here in a couple hours. You know, if, if Indiana State goes down tonight, yeah, man, I'm 100%. There's It's a one-bid league, 100%. Um, the red bird win you know hey great win for them but i'm I'm keeping my enthusiasm in check because i'm looking at the the bigger picture as as what i've said in previous previous show is indiana state's a six-man rotation their fatigue and, and tiredness playing in the middle of february is really shining and when they didn't have kent pretty much the entire second half you know that's one of the starting five. So they're down a guy and, and yeah, I mean, you know, it was at home too. So, I mean, their fatigue level is really showing and I would not be surprised if they get upset tonight.
1: What's your, uh, so let's not stray away from the original question. What is your opinion? Like what, what's your stance, your argument for if, if Indiana state wins out and loses in the conference tournament, championship you still think that they you still think they could be at large bid and i want to know why
2: i do i do um because they're you know because they, they've they put a lot of emphasis on the quad ones twos threes whatever they've only got one loss just one loss period outside of the quad one now they don't have very many quad one opportunities but they they have that they've got the net where they're at you know they're there, uh, yeah, all the stuff that you know is accumulating.
1: So for for the net, that, right? So the helps. the metrics, right? The yes. Met, you think yes. The, so? I'll give you this. I think if you look at the metrics, the the metrics are likely that of a tournament team or um, real damn close, anyways. But you know what I'm saying is, I don't think it is convincing enough to overcome the power six bias and, and that's just the reality well, of it that's just the truth well, man. Like, and so if you just want to look at this on paper black and white the most qualified teams based off the metrics and their resumes like indiana state should certainly under the circumstances of winning out losing in the conference championship game should absolutely be in the conversation but i'm telling you my opinion well, based because, off because history of the and reality because yeah and, and, and you have to factor the thing is in.
2: there's a lot of power five conferences that are actually down this year and that's right. unfortunate that bias is so strong that several of those teams are, are still going to get in.
0: I mean, even the ACC, I think there, is... there's,
2: there's a There's a lot of mid-major schools that's not going to get in that's very worthy of going in and beating even the middle of the pack Power 6 team.
0: Yeah, what you need to watch for in terms of this conference being a two-bit conference is what happens in these Power 5 conferences with these teams that are either on the fringe of getting in or on the bubble. What you don't want is to have this team that's probably one of the last four in start to go on a run. Indiana State loses early in the tournament. Like, I think there is a lot of factors that could go into it, but I'm with Brad on this in that I think traditionally and just looking at the way that the committee looks at these things, that loss probably made some of the committee members feel better because they're like, oh, good. We only have to take whoever comes out of this conference. We don't have to consider. And right or wrong, I think that that's the way that they look at it. And that's the only thing that's unfortunate, I think. Had yeah, Indiana it gives State them a wins, reason. Yeah, it does. And and that's why I say that is just, I mean, we have to be realistic about this, even from Bradley's chances. As Brad said, their best chance to get in the tournament is to just win out and win through Arch Madness. And that's all that they should be focusing on. But they do have a game coming up, I think, tomorrow, right, at 1 o'clock, I believe, on ESPN2 as they play Northern Iowa. It's a road game. They easily handled the Panthers at Carver last month, or late last month, and I think if they win, this puts some major distance, at least between the top three teams and the rest of the pack, as it relates to the as it relates to Arch Madness or getting to Arch Madness. And so, what do you guys think about this game? And I'm going to put up the Arch Madness projected bracket while we talk about this.
2: Uh, it's tough to beat uh, Northern Iowa at their home court, but we can do it. I mean, that's. There is a possibility that Heisey won't be playing. He's got, a, I think, an ankle injury, but it's uh, probably a game time decision. Uh, but that's based on what I read and heard from the last game they played Wednesday. Um, I don't think he played then, but we got to keep the little Nat at bay. We got Tristan Anderson and. Titan Anderson. And Titan Anderson that's and Hudson. Hudson to. Uh, Keep in check, but uh and you know we guard the three point line and uh, take care of the boards, keep our turnovers down, and hit shots ourselves. We might should be all right. And it's funny. Yeah, this
0: is i'm Sorry, Brad. I was going to say it's funny how this game now the way that you look at this bracket, where Northern Iowa has jumped all the way to the four seed in this conference, and a team that I know Rick is a little bit more worried about when it comes to playing Bradley at Belmont is sitting at six. So like, there's a lot of jockeying for position here that could have a lot to do with it, and I think. Bradley needs to do everything you said, Rick, but they need to take care of business. And Brad, you're going to say how they're going to do that.
1: Well, I think that it sounds cliche, but going into this, I mean, a lot of these games here down the stretch, outside of, you know, at Drake, which is a a unique thing in its own, it's Bradley, these are Bradley versus Bradley games, right? Like Bradley cannot beat themselves in these games. If they don't beat themselves, they should win. You know, the only game I think that you could, qualify as a coin flip even if Bradley's playing at their best would be the Drake the game at Drake um, the rest of these games if Bradley plays to their potential should be wins and so I look at these are Bradley versus Bradley games we got to clean up some of these mistakes I'm curious to see how the team bounces back from you know the way that game finished on Wednesday obviously they have their little powwow they got an extra day's rest going into this game and have we I feel like I've said this last few games looking for us to come out and make some of the corrections uh, you know, cut down on the turnovers, play two halves of great defense. Because I feel like we have yet, I feel like we've, we're playing at 60 to 70% of our potential right now. And you don't have to play at 100 to beat most teams. Uh, but, you know, if you 90 will get the job done the majority of the time against uh, most opponents because a lot of other people don't always play their potential either. But I feel like Bradley's been consistently here last few games playing 60 to 70% of their capacity. And Brendan is absolutely correct there. He says he remembers uh, Barry Henson's uh, Missouri State team was left out of the left out with a power rating in the twenties, and it ultimately cost him his job. And that's just it. And like, I get that bias isn't an uh, official metric, but it's it plays a huge, huge part in in how this all works. Unfortunately, and um, it, and it, a lot of it comes down to money. And there's there's so much that that goes into it. And I mean, and Dad and I had this argument the other day that. As much as we, as mid-major basketball fans, love the the underdog, the Cinderellas, all that stuff, like I, I'm pretty confident, and I can't remember the exact scenario or the numbers that the numbers don't reflect that. Like as a whole, like the viewership numbers, especially when you get down to the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, like the viewership for those games that have those Cinderella teams in them are, are not the same as they are for uh, if you had two Power Five teams or two Blue Bloods. And I got to imagine like attendance wise, like these power power six teams have larger fan bases. So even if only 20% of their fan base is gonna physically go to a game, that's still far more than a mid-major is gonna send, even if they send their entire fan base in, in some cases. So, uh, it, it, and it sucks that that even has an impact on any of it, but it does. And I, I don't think we can ignore it um, when considering these types of things. And, you know, and so I think as we move towards the conference tournament and I, looking at the bracket as you posted it, I think there's really there's really like two primary things for Bradley. One is hold the three seed. You got to hold the three seed, which they would really have to tank um, for, for them to fall out of the three seed. Uh, things would have to go really poorly the next five games. But hold the three seed and then do whatever you got to do to be as healthy and rested as possible, going into Arch Madness, and so I think the coaching staff is going to have to get creative and find ways to save the legs of our of our Big Four, especially, so that they can be at at their best, at the best that we can have them, you know, to be expected in March, um, for the tournament, and that's those are things that I think are crucial to postseason
0: success for the Braves. Rick, I got a question for you, and this is projecting a little bit more into the future, but I think it's worth it here based off what Brad said, is holding the 3 seed. looking at the standings now, Bradley would have some work to do to get up to the 2 line, and is there an added benefit of going from 3 to 2 outside of who you might play, obviously a lesser seed or whatever, but when they get to that last game of the season, if there's no way that they can move up or down from the 3 is there a scenario where you can see them resting their starters for that last game at Drake? I know that it's a it's a rival, but you want to make sure you're resting going into Arch Madness. Do you see a scenario there? Nope. Nope. Never. There's never a scenario where we're going to,
2: you know, not unless we go into Drake and we're up 20 plus, you know, and even then. <laughs> no, we just no. there's we don't have anybody on the bench worthy enough. I should that's say that. That's so funny. You got to trust <laughs> your
1: bench. I was actually you know going to say no. that.
2: No, we do not have. A hypocrite. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Take me out of context. Oh, we don't yeah. Have, no, because I, I do have faith in guys, but in <laughs> even, you know, 15, 20 point lead at Drake 10 minutes ago, you, you'll leave yourself. You got to bring in starters to play with them. That's always how I always look. If you're going to bring in guys off the bench that don't have a lot of, you know, necessarily a lot of talent, you know, a lot of minutes experience on the court, you got to play them with, with regulars. So you're not bringing everybody off the bench to
0: go up against Drake's best. I'm sorry. I mean, Drake could also be in the same position where they don't have anything else to gain. From oh, they either. won't either. You know?
2: They won't either. That's just That's
0: just... Grinding them into the ground right before the match. Yeah, I just don't think tournament. that.
1: I know what you fan mean. bases. Fan bases. I don't think would accept it uh, either one. And um, and you don't really see that. No. I, I mean, we see it in football um, for sure. Sometimes we definitely see it in football at times. But you, you don't see that. So it's an interesting perspective because yeah, if there's if there's nothing to lose or gain other than just bragging rights, which are, are worth something in this sure. league for sure. I don't want to understate that. Um, but. It's You think you would try to maybe consider uh, some sort of plan to preserve guys, uh, and maybe it's like, hey, if this thing's out of hand one way or the other at halftime, we do do some different things in the second half. But like you said, Dad, if it gets to a 10 or if it's a 15, 20 point lead with 10 minutes to go, um, that lead is, would evaporate quickly uh, if... We brought in five guys from the bench against their starters the rest of the way. Start that's just game. it's just reality. I mean, we have a hard enough time stopping Brody and Devries with um, with our starters, so uh, it I wouldn't feel wouldn't feel great about that. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, both teams will play that game out in its entirety, is in my opinion. Yeah, and we'll it, worry it, about that when we get if, there.
2: If you're gonna if you want to rest players between now and and tournament time, you rest them now. You know, I mean, you bring in. Uh, Birch for uh, another five minutes more than what he's been getting. You play Christian Davis, and you but you never have Duke and Hick on the bench at the same time. One of them's got to be out there, you know, to play with Birch, you know, and vice versa. But you, you, uh, you know, now's the time to start doing that. Play, uh, you know. Draw up some plays more for uh, Allison too. By the way,
1: well, he's got to you know? show he can start putting the ball in the basket a little more consistently. I mean, he's we we've talked about it a little bit. He seems to be his offensive game seems to be suffering at the expense of his effort on improve and improving on defense. Get him get
2: in, involved in the offense early in the game. Set something up for him early. Let him get a couple shots off. You know, once he sees you know the ball go in, it's like the the one game about three four games back. You know, he come in, he missed the shot, come down, hit it, you know, threw up another one, hit every part of the rim, bounced on through for a three. And after that, he like hit two or three more, if I'm not
0: mistaken. And that's why they call it the land of ten thousand coaches, folks, because we got it all over the place. There's landmines oh, yeah, everywhere. Sir. It is the valley. Yep. So Rick, <laughs> we're gonna tee you up for your segment here. We got a couple of matchups in the in the valley that I think are worth mentioning this weekend. Indiana State, as we pointed out, at Southern and Murray State at Drake. So why don't you give us some of your insight of those games?
2: The Indiana State Southern game to me is I'm gonna be sitting watching it. Um obviously you gotta you know, the uh, the pick is you pick Indiana State to win that one, but don't don't sell Southern short because they can pull it off um, pretty easily if they want. You know, if they not if they wanted to, but depends on you know is arrested. Indiana State coming is Kent available to play because there's you know possibility you may have suffered a concussion and they may
1: not be out of concussion protocol. So that game what are your thoughts on it? It seems like it's become apparent that Indiana state has struggled against the zone and Southern is known and Brian Mullen is known for being a good defensive coach. And so do you think that we may see some different things from them defensively tonight in order to slow down Indiana state? And do you think there is anything to the, um, the belief that they struggle against zone defenses? No, they're no,
2: they, they do struggle. You know, we've proved it, <laughs> you know, um, Illinois State proved it, you know. Maybe they learned something from us. Doubt it, but who knows? Um, but yeah, um, Mullen's a smart defensive coach. He'll figure it out. You know, as long as he doesn't stay true to his man-to-man nature. But you know, if he, uh, I think he can. It'll be an inter. It's going to be a fun,
0: interesting game to watch. And Murray State and Drake, what do you got there?
2: Oh, uh, what well, Murray State team's going to show up? Cool. They could they they come out a lot of times they come out and they'll 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 play like they can beat anybody, but if then once they start getting down, even if they are up on somebody and someone starts making a run on them, then you'll get one or two of their better guys start playing me ball, and when they start playing, you know they get out of the team concept, and they falter, and you know that's how several of their losses have happened. I sit and watch several of their games, you know, and that's how they they lose games. And being a Drake home
1: game. What what I'm curious to see out of both Indiana State and Drake uh tonight and tomorrow is the the fatigue factor, much like the that, Braves, you know, is is that seem like it's compounding? Um are they doing anything differently to try to to rest their not you know, not rest their game, but to try to preserve some minutes a little bit. Um are they going deeper into their bench? I, I don't I mean Indiana State's gonna have to without Kent if that's the case. But they
2: not got outside of one guy, they've not got him. Very good, proven bench. Right. Well, I mean, that's truthfully that's the case.
1: Well, that's the case for the top three. The top three uh, don't have much depth, (laughs) Uh, which is gonna, which I think is gonna make things just as a general valley fan. It's gonna make things really interesting um, in St. Louis because of the lack of depth
0: that the top three teams have. Yeah, and all three of the top three play basically the teams right underneath them. So we're gonna kind of know at this point how much separation there is going to be, and there's probably not going to be any disruption at the top and Bradley's probably going to be at that three seed. I think that that's where they want to stay. But those are some big games coming up this weekend. Obviously, we're going to be covering Bradley all of next week as well. We are racing toward the end of the season. It's going to be here before we know it. And let's all hope for a great season, a great end of the season. And it would be great for us for the purposes of the show if we could get a conference championship out of this thing. That's what I want. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that would be really exciting for sure. And I think a, a step you know, looking at the tournament, um, I think what you'd like to see happen from a Bradley perspective is you want to see uh, Belmont and Murray State end up in those four and five slots, I think, um, and end up on the top half of the bracket. And it's, it's, again, you can't be afraid of anybody, but I just think from a matchup perspective and the, the capabilities of those teams, you want to see them um, on the other side of the bracket. Indiana State have to deal with them instead, uh, which, I mean, in that case would likely put a Southern or Northern Iowa against UIC feeding into the into Bradley, I think, at that point in time, which, again, all of those teams could pose issues um, for sure, but I feel better about how we match up uh, against those teams than I do against Murray State and Belmont, especially Belmont being back at full strength. And then again, uh, like our expert said, you never know which
0: Murray State team is going to show up. Very true. And the only thing you have to be afraid of in the Valley is Rick Powell walking around Carver Arena looking to slap some ignorant fans (laughs) in the face. So for everybody who
2: has... Which I would never do, by the way.
0: Absolutely not. We'll only find that out when you're in the police report. So for everybody that has tuned in or has joined us (laughs) since we started a big thank you, we recently saw a surge in subscribership. And even though I can't get to the bottom of it, I'm going to assume that it's everybody who has found Braves talk from the Peoria area all over the country. We have seen an overwhelming response to this, and we want to thank everybody. If you want to find us on social media, on X, at Iceman and Coach, TikTok, at INC Sports, Facebook, INC Sports, and of course, as the flag says, the Matty Ice Media Network, where you can find Iceman and Coach, which is what Coach and I do, Fire Footwear, which is my sneaker podcast, and from the pals over there, including the one who punches people in the face, from Coach, from (laughs) me, and from everybody in Bradley, This is Braves Talk. We'll see you next time. Opinions and viewpoints expressed on INC Sports are those of Matt Freights, Brad Powell, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. INC Sports is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and Brad Powell and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.